It's Thursday, April the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russian flagship badly damaged and Ukraine's latest arms bonanza. First, the world in brief. A Ukrainian official claimed that the Moskva, Russia's flagship in the Black Sea, had been hit by two anti-ship missiles. Russian state media later said the vessel had been badly damaged when its store of ammunition exploded. It had 16 cruise missiles aboard, reports suggested. The Moskva gained notoriety at the start of the invasion through a widely shared recording of the Ukrainian Coast Guard at Snake Island, telling the ship's commander to quote, go fuck yourself, when ordered to surrender. Meanwhile, Russia claimed that more than 1,000 Ukrainian marines who were defending Mariupol, a besieged port city, had surrendered. America committed $800 million in weapons to Ukraine and said it would share more intelligence with officials there. More than $2.5 billion worth of military hardware has so far been sent to the country, according to Joe Biden. Meanwhile, the American president's use of the word, quote, genocide, to describe Russian atrocities, divided allies. Justin Trudeau of Canada agreed that it was an appropriate term. Emmanuel Macron of France said leaders should avoid, quote, verbal escalations. Marine Le Pen, the French presidential candidate, said she would back a, quote, strategic rapprochement between NATO and Russia once the war in Ukraine is over, and that, if elected, she would pull France from the alliance's military command. She said she was motivated by a desire to keep Russia from becoming too cosy with China. Mr. Penn has long had friendly relations with the Kremlin and endorsed Russia's invasion of Crimea. The presidents of Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and Poland arrived near Kyiv to meet their Ukrainian counterpart, Vladimir Zelensky. Gitanis Nalseda, Lithuania's leader, said they were carrying a, quote, strong message of political support and military assistance. Poland and the Baltics were among the most vociferous critics of Russia's military build-up prior to the invasion. Germany's president, Frank-Walter Steinmeier, was also scheduled to join the trip, but said on Tuesday that he was, quote, not wanted in Ukraine. A court in Jersey, an English Channel Island and tax haven, froze $7 billion of assets linked to the Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich. France seized 12 of Mr Abramovich's properties, including a £90 million chateau near Cannes and a luxury estate on the Caribbean island of St Barts. In March, EU and British authorities slapped a range of sanctions on the billionaire in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Britain's government finalised a plan to ship asylum seekers to Rwanda while their applications are being processed. On Wednesday, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, signed an agreement worth a reported £120 million, $158 million, with the Central African country. The measure is expected to be unveiled by Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, on Thursday. Critics called the plan both cruel and unworkable. Amazon, the world's largest online retailer, said it will impose a temporary 5% surcharge on vendors reaching its American market to offset higher fuel costs and inflation. 
Amazon ordinarily charges, quote, third-party sellers for the use of its warehousing and delivery services. Such fees raised more than $100 billion last year. Petrol costs nearly 50% more than it did one year ago. And fact of the day, 60%. The share of British voters who think their Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, should resign. And now, here's today's agenda. The end of the chip shortage? For the world's largest chipmaker, Taiwan's semiconductor manufacturing company, the COVID-19 pandemic has been a boon. A surge in demand for gadgets, along with a faster-than-expected global economic recovery, led to a chip shortage. That pushed prices up, sending TSMC's revenue soaring. Its earnings for the first quarter of 2022, published on Thursday, are likely to impress. First quarter revenue, released last week, was up 36% year-on-year. But the good times may not last. TSMC has warned that the cost of raw materials is rising. The war in Ukraine could make matters worse, as the country produces a huge share of the world's semiconductor-grade neon. Consumer demand appears to be slowing amidst sluggish economic growth and high inflation. Huge new chip factories being built across America and Europe could eventually ease the shortage, but that will take a while. ASML, the world's only supplier of advanced chip-making machines, has warned of disruption for at least the next two years. Daunting challenges for Pakistan's new government On Monday, Shibaz Sharif was sworn in as Pakistan's 23rd Prime Minister, following the defenestration of Imran Khan. Mr Sharif, the younger brother of Nawaz Sharif, another former Prime Minister, set to work quickly. Government offices were ordered to open six days a week, and civil servants told to be at their desks early. Pakistan's new leader has a lot on his plate. The economy is on the skids. Inflation is near 13%, and a balance of payments crisis looms. Mr Sharif presides over a fractious coalition, comprising of everyone from leftists to the religious right. Nor will Mr Khan simply skulk away. Many of his young supporters believe his spurious claim that he was driven out by an American conspiracy, and are furious. Pakistani politics are bitter and divided, and elections are due next year. To succeed, Mr Sharif will need to put in more than just long hours. The ECB at war over inflation There are good times to be a central banker. There are bad times. And then there is 2022 at the European Central Bank. The Governing Council meets in Frankfurt on Thursday, its second formal gathering since Russia invaded Ukraine. The bank faces a dilemma. Inflation in the euro area, which has been uncomfortably high since COVID-19 restrictions were eased, reached 7.5% in March as energy prices exploded. China's latest lockdown was bound to increase supply-side pressure, driving prices even higher. And the war in Ukraine is weighing heavily on Europe's post-pandemic recovery. Business and consumer sentiment surveys 
tanked after the invasion. Far from overheating, the euro area's economy is struggling. Raising interest rates thus seems counterintuitive. But the ECB needs to show that it is capable of containing inflation, even at the short-term cost of crimping growth. Turkey's economy. Rates of wrath. Central bankers in many parts of the world are reaching for the emergency brake as inflation rates threaten to reach double digits. Turkeys, though, are not among them. Last month, inflation in Turkey reached 61.1%, its highest in two decades. Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the resulting turmoil in commodity and currency markets is partly to blame for the latest increases. But the main culprit is the eccentric monetary policy imposed by Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Late last year, he forced his central bank to slash borrowing rates to 14%. Amid spiralling inflation, the war in Ukraine presented the bank with a perfect excuse for a volt fast. But it did not reverse course at the start of the war and is equally unlikely to defy Mr Erdogan when its monetary policy board meets on Thursday. Mount Everest's unfortunate decade A deadly avalanche in 2014, a second in 2015, and two years of COVID-19 deterring travellers, Mount Everest has weathered its fair share of challenges. Now, the war in Ukraine has curtailed the number of mountaineers again. A large share of climbers hail from Russia and other European countries with disrupted flight routes. Most have cancelled their plans. Nepal's tourism department has issued just 204 permits for this year's climbing season, half of last year's figure. That is bad news. The Himalayan country home to eight of the world's 14 peaks over 8,000 metres, depends on climbers. Overall, tourism accounts for 8% of GDP. Everest is the main attraction. In 2019, the peak's climbers brought in $300 million. Sherpas can earn $6,000 to $12,000 per season for their treacherous work helping thrill-seekers reach the summit. That is not bad for a country with an average annual income of just $1,090. Count Mount Everest and the economy that relies on it, among the victims of a war in a faraway land. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Who was the host of the Tonight talk show on American TV from 1962 to 1992? Wednesday. Which actress, known for her performances in period dramas, is the great-granddaughter of British Prime Minister Herbert Asquith? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Simone de Beauvoir. <laughs> 
who died on this day in 1986. One's life has value, so long as one attributes value to the life of others. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 